Hi, Maru. Thank you for taking your time to be our guest today. My name is John, and we also have Tian, a member of my group. Hi, Maru. Hi, thank you. Let's, st let's start with the first question, shall we? Why did you decide to create NWDC Resistance or La Resistencia? So I didn't decide to create it. Um, I made a decision uh, sometime in 2013 uh, with the permission of my daughter to come out publicly as undocumented by staging a civil disobedience action against deportations at the Northwest Detention Center. We were able to get other people to do this action with us. Um, and so we end up uh, stopping deportation buses leaving the detention center, center on February 24, 2014. And about two weeks later, uh, we learned from relatives of people detained in media that a hunger strike had started. Um, and the people that organized the hunger strike knew of our action and they reached out to us uh, to support their, their efforts uh, against detentions and deportations. So we responded to that, and that's really how this group came to be. We, we didn't intend to create a group or to you know, be a spokespeople for, for people detained. We just responded to their call. And um, since then, we've been together supporting their efforts, their organizing efforts, with the ability of us not being detained uh, to do something and um, respond to the, to the commitment that we put ourselves out there by saying we wanted to end detentions and deportations now we have to we have the obligation to to respond to the call of people detained so that's basically how resistencia came to be okay so you founded la resistencia as an undocumented immigrant correct yes that's very courageous of you to stand up for yourself and your community even though you knew the ICE would be riding your tail well, I, I didn't see it as courageous. I saw it as um, a need because I wasn't the first one. You know, so many other people have done it before me, especially young people. Um, in 2010, they even started a, a movement that was called Out of the Shadows. Um, whilst they were uh, working to get uh, the famous DREAM Act, which was a bill that was literally in Congress 10 years and it never came to fruition. Um, that bill intended to give a, a regularization to undocumented young people that were going to school. But that bill kept changing and getting worse and worse um, to a point that if, if that bill had ever became, become law, it would have really pushed young people to go into the military as really the only option to get a green card. And so a lot of the people um, that could have benefited from something like that they felt it was wrong, and also it didn't include their families. So there was this um, prioritization by the Democratic Party of young people, but not their families. So they started the movement of coming out of the shadows and staging civil disobedience. I think for me, it was necessary to do something in Washington State because Washington State is seen as a very progressive state. Most people didn't even know that we had one of the largest detention centers in the West Coast. Um, or even just a detention center, forget about the number of people that could be held there. So I, I've been doing this work for over 20 years now. And so at that point, most people thought I was a US citizen because I speak English, because I, I have a business, because uh, you know I've been public. I just never revealed that I was undocumented. And so I felt it was my obligation 
to do something and follow on the on the footsteps of others before me. It was just necessary to do so to to highlight that you know all the work we were trying to do here was not paying off, uh, both in the state and, and at federal level. We were not moving anything. We were we weren't really getting traction, and most people again ignored the reality of people in, in detention. Yeah. Okay, so the second question relates to what we have been talking about so far. What would you say is the most important thing that your organization offers to the community of people that have been victimized by the detention center? What we offer is a space to organize. Um, again, we're not spokespeople. We believe that as organizers, our role is to facilitate, uh, meaning that the same people that are that have the, ex the experience are the experts of how immigration enforcement has occurred and all the, the damage that has done to us. Um, they also have the solutions. But um, our group creates that space for people to do so. Now, most people, when they end up wanting to do something against immigration enforcement is precisely when they're being detained or their relatives being detained. And so that's a crisis in itself. So it's really hard to organize where you're in the middle of a crisis. So our group creates that space where you can feel that, yes, I'm dealing with this crisis, but I'm, I'm, I know I'm not the only one. I know there are hundreds of others like me detained or hundreds of other families like mine. And at a, at a national level, we have thousands, right? So when you know that you're not alone, that you're not the only one, when you know that this is systematic and there, there are also others um, that are organizing against it, it's so much easy, easier to to define what the solution is like and what kind of resources we need to do so, to, to, to win, right? To end, to end this nightmare. So that's what our group does. We just, we just remind people that they're the leaders. They're the ones with experience. They're the experts. And we just bring the tools and the space, um, the resources necessary for the community to take the leadership, which means to do the work and to take the responsibility to get the things done so we can win. I see. So power to the people. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's Tien. So last question, Maru. In an article, Senator Rebecca Sidania claims that the priority of a for-profit detention facility like NWDC is to incarcerate as many people as possible. So to what extent do you agree with this statement? In other words, do you think money plays a role in mass detention or mass incarceration? Yes, it does. And it has from the very get-go in the United States. Um, let's start from the very beginning. The United States was founded on stolen land, on um, genocide, on slavery. Um, and it's the, the mega of capitalism. And capitalism can only thrive by prioritizing capital, money, and profits uh, based on, on racism. And so capitalism has thrived in the United States by precisely um, op op oppressing uh, communities of color and making them pay so the, the people in power and the corporations um, can profit. So prisons actually come from, from that idea, right? Of uh, first right. denying uh, black people the right of being free, but second, um, they thrive um, 
in, in the 50s and 60s by actually putting uh, people in prison to work. Um, the, well, the, origins, the origins of the private prison industry come actually from um, a very, very uh, good uh, warden in Alabama that was, was running a, a, private, a, a regular um, state prison and he wasn't making so much money for the state that he was recruited later in the 80s by uh, the beginnings of the private prison industry, which started also because of the war on drugs that Reagan declared against people of color. And so that's the beginning of the, pri the private prison industries. How do we make money out of people uh, that are enslaved literally by the system? And because there were a lot of great abolitionists in the 80s and 90s that, that fought against uh, private prisons, the private prison industry started looking at immigration as a way to, to um, continue their, their business, and they did. So by the time 9-11 happened, the private prison industry had already moved into immigration. And so 9-11 was just excuse to, to create this infrastructure of immigration detention, privatized. Um, so it didn't took really long time to set up all these um, private uh, detention centers across the, the country because the industry was already set up. The structure was already set up. All they needed was the excuse and the contracts. And so by 2004, here in uh, Tacoma, uh, they already finished a, a detention center. It started with 300, 500 beds. Uh, they don't call it people, they call it beds capacity. And they, they did three extensions to the point, expansions, I'm sorry, um, to the point that uh, the maximum capacity is now 2,000 people. And the contract between GEO and Immigration Customs Enforcement, ICE, um, it spells that uh, the government, ICE, guarantees GEO a minimum daily capacity of 800 people. So that means that ICE is telling GEO, don't worry, no matter what happened, I guarantee you I'll bring 800 people daily to you. You will have at least that minimum that we will pay you for, which means you and, and I paying for that money, right? It's not ICE, it's our taxes, even undocumented people like me pay taxes. And so it is a, a perfect industry because besides guaranteeing that they will get paid for every person that is detained, um, the industry in itself has created all these business models within that also expands the profit. Uh, one is they make people work um, for a dollar a day or nothing. So people in detention end up also creating more money for, for GEO. But there's also the other, the other industries such as um, Telmate uh, that manages the, the phone calls, uh, the subsidiary getting out that manages emails uh, and video calls, um, KIF that manages the, the commissary, uh, access corrections that manages the deposits, if you want to deposit money into the, uh, your loved one account that is detained. So it's a huge, huge industry. So of course, of course, the main motive here of all this is profit. So mass detention is like another form of all extension to mass incarceration then? Yes, uh, mass incarceration is just the very beginning of the immigration detention, right? I've always described immigration detention as the expansion of it, of the mass incarceration system in the United States. And what we have been researching so far too is, is that it's pointing to the same truth that uh, money contributes to mass detention and mass incarceration. 
Yes. Uh, again, you know, businesses are allowed to thrive in this capitalist system and they don't care about ethics. All they care is about their shareholders. Um, right. And so having a captive clientele, literally, it's, it's been such a great business and, and that's why it's been so difficult for us to fight it. Um, we want to remind people we're against the tension altogether, either state or private. It doesn't matter, but private creates even, um, it exposes the system as it is. You know, what, what governments and corporations are willing to do to make profit, it just goes beyond what human beings should be allowed to do. All right, that's all we have for you. On the behalf of my crew, thank you again for joining us. Well, thank you. Thank you.